Welcome to Flower Hour. A podcast completely dedicated to baking. I'm Amanda in Los Angeles. And I'm Jeremiah in Sacramento. Welcome back to our part two of our interview with Claire Petak. If you haven't heard part one, you need to back out of here and go listen because it's really awesome and I don't want you to be confused. What you can expect from part two are listener questions, her thoughts on baking trends, and crazy enough, she flips the scripts on us and starts interviewing us. So if you want to hear what she asks Amanda and I, make sure you stay all the way to the end. It's a great chat. We hope you love it as much as we do. What is your desert island bake? Oh gosh. Um, well, can it be? Can it not? Can it be not a bake? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Ice cream is my favorite thing to make, so I would say. Uh, ice cream would be the thing I would want to and and eat. Like I love delicious, like proper ice cream to me is amazing. Um, and that was actually how I started um, the sort of idea behind all my icings for for my cakes when I first started the business was the same way that I would flavor an ice cream base was how I flavored the buttercreams um, and colored them because I was I didn't want to use food coloring and I didn't want to you know have them be too too sweet so so you know fruit purees um applied in the same way you would apply to ice cream making was what i did and so that's like that that's my actually my favorite thing to do but it's too i don't want to like start an ice cream shop so i never <laughs> have made it at the bakery because it's kind of a whole nother thing i'm dying to try your um is it roasted fig leaf ice cream yes I'm dying yeah. to try that. Is it's uh, so delicious? It's the most interesting flavor. Like it's a kind of tastes coconutty. Really? Flavor. Yeah, so good. All right. I've never had roasted fig leaf anything. Have you, Jeremiah? No, I didn't even know we could eat them. I'm, I'm yeah. staring at the tree this week, thinking I'm going to roast your leaves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do it. Do it. You won't regret it. It's awesome. You could also just like if you don't want to make if you don't have the time to make ice cream, you could also just um, you know roast the leaves and steep, uh, steep them in cream and then whip the cream and use that for something. It'd be so good. Oh, so you get little like flecks of charcoal in there, but I think it's fine. <laughs> well, charcoal's in, so we're good. <laughs> I know exactly. You like paying good money for that in some restaurants. So, <laughs> so true. Really ash, yeah. ash ice cream. <laughs> A little fleck here or there. I, I would just assume it's vanilla bean and get on. That's that. what it looks like. So what about baking makes you the most happy? Like, is it the creative element or I just feel like with a job, like any sort of baking job or anything that's driven by a passion, there's some, something inside that it does for you. I think for me, it's always been that you can have something completed in like an hour and a half, um, you know, from start to finish. It's very satisfying for a, for a, for a creative mind and for like a kind of also um, distracted mind. It's such a great activity because you can um, start with a few ingredients, get, get to work and have like something really amazing within, yeah, an hour to an hour and a half. Um, so that's always been like a real... Um, you know, like 
an activity that just is uh, comforting and kind of um, satisfying. It's very satisfying. Yeah. Satisfying. I love that word. Yeah. Satisfying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then baking is thinking about like your life. We talked about your, you talked about your grandmother and your mother, but how yeah. does baking connect you with people and your family um, now today? Well, I just bake. Well, it's not really bake, but we made pa- I made pancakes with Francis, my daughter, this morning, which was Aww. so cute. She has like a little mini whisk and like a little um, rubber spatula. They're like this big. Um, uh, they're how big? <laughs> like the size? They're mini. Um, but she, um, yeah, I think I, I tend to not want to involve her in baking sometimes because I'm like so stressed about it. I'm like, no, no, no. Like that goes in that bowl, not in that bowl. You know, and I don't want to be, <laughs> I don't want to, um, cause obviously I'm very, uh, precise and kind of, you know, it's my business. So it becomes your focus becomes so much about doing everything I do. is like a test for something else. So um, it always seems like work. And then I found myself not baking with her and I was like, Oh my God, what am I doing? So, so I've, uh, I've really made an effort lately to do that. And it's so amazing. It's like so fun and she's, um, and loves it. And, um, yeah, I just have to like switch gears in my head cause it's always usually associated with work and yeah. <laughs> yeah. A mom who makes is way different from baking as a business way different. Yeah. Exactly. And you want to like, you got to, you have to chill out. <laughs> so yeah, that's what's going on there. It's hard for bakers to chill out. I've, yeah. Right? All. <laughs> it's so hard. Although I did this job the other day, I was like, um, one of five chefs, we had a course each for this event. And, um, and afterwards, one of the savory chefs was like, you're the most like, chilled out relaxed baker I've ever seen and I was like really (laughs) I was like that's a massive compliment (laughs) I'm so happy (laughs) because I think it just depends but I I was actually making that ice cream it was when I was making that ice cream it was such a nice compliment because I think I do you do get into a zone sometimes where you just really love what you're doing you feel so calm and happy you know doing it but sometimes it's quite a stressful job so yeah. I think I'm happy when I'm back in the kitchen these days because I'm mostly running the business now. Yeah, it's important to connect yourself back to what started it all. Exactly. Easy to get away from that. Yeah. It's weird to have the ebb and flow where at points, you know, that's what you're most focused on. And now it's a treat to get to do that part again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's full circle. All right. Can we shift gears to listener questions? Are you cool with that, Jeremiah? Yeah, let's do it. I feel like we have so many great ones that I'll be, I'll be sad if we don't get to them all. So, um, most of these come from Instagram and I'll try to shout out the ats as much as possible. So at beyond dot the dot butter. So beyond the butter, she wanted to know from you, Claire, what's a baking trend you absolutely love and one that you'd love to see retire. (laughs) Um, it's a good question. A baking trend, I, I'll start with the retiring um, because it pops right to mind, which is the um, use of wood sorrel in desserts, which maybe doesn't happen so much in the U.S., so maybe we'll, um, 
<laughs> I'll have to come up with another one. But you may be launching a trend here. Yeah, we'll go, watch oh, out. That? Let's do it. <laughs> so it happens a lot. Like I think it started at Noma um in in Copenhagen. Um and then it's in many, many, many restaurants now where you get um your the pudding comes with the the sorry, the dessert comes with um you know, it could be like a, even like a panna cotta or something like that. Something usually like custardy or rich and, um, um, sweet with this wood sorrel, which is sort of, do you know what sorrel is? It's like a sour green leaf, um, mm. that's grown. A lot of people grow it here in their gardens. Um, it's a delicious, it's actually really delicious, very lemony. Um, and then there's a wild one called wood sorrel. So they look kind of like little like three leaf clovers uh and then it's like all over the dessert but it's like um it'd be like that with like rye crumbs is rye crumbs a big deal over there or has that been no no (laughs) (laughs) so it's like rye crumbs and wood sorrel i just never want to see it ever again (laughs) but um okay and then something that i love well i would say so this is sort of two-pronged because i love salt in baking and I've always loved salt in baking, but I feel like I don't want, um, like a margarita when I'm having my (laughs) dessert. And so often now I'm like, Oh my God, there's like so much salt on there. It's crazy. I think that 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 needs to be, um, people just need to like hold back a little bit on the, on the salt. Cause I think it is great, but you don't want to be like, so salty or the 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 also because everyone loves to use malden salt which has that beautiful flaky texture um and it's fun to kind of crunch it but you i mean it is it's salt like <laughs> you have to like hold back yeah it's true <laughs> so yeah but i think that that is so it's so great that people are finally um really using salt in a in a in a you know proactive way I'm a heavy salter. I'm just going to put that out there. I can't help myself, but I have low blood pressure. I was telling Jeremiah, I need a lot of salt. So maybe it comes. (laughs) No, I mean, I, I love salt and I am like always adding salt to like savory stuff too. Like I, I, I absolutely believe in salt, but I don't think that, um, like a brownie or something should have so much salt across the top that it's just, it's like you wouldn't put that much salt on savory. Like, right, right, right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, balance. So at K-Z-O-O-G-R-R said, what English bake do you wish more Americans were familiar with? And and what's a good American bake for Brits to try? So English bakes, I think, um, I think everyone has tried, or a lot of people have tried this or heard about it, but minced meat is really... Um, <laughs> not not a favorite in America usually. Um, but I think that mincemeat is one of the most delicious things. And every year at Christmas in the UK, it's everywhere. Everybody makes mince pies and they're, um, you know, it's a combination. There's no meat in it. It's vegetarian. Um, there's a combination of um, dried like currants, raisins, candied fruit, um, and then a good amount of brandy. Um, and some apple chopped up in there and lots of spices. And it's when it's done right, it is totally amazingly delicious and has all the right, like, uh, flavor hits all the right flavor notes. 
and it's so good with like a really buttery short crust pastry. So I think that people should embrace that. <laughs> and especially good if you make your own um, uh, candied peel, because then it has a real bright citrusy flavor, which um, kind of, you know, wakes up the, the dried fruits, um, the raisins and things. So I love that. Um, American baking over here, pie. Nobody makes pie here. Like nobody. I mean, it's so weird to me. Like you can't get a good pie. I mean, they make really good savory pies, but not, not, you know, there's no banana cream pie, apple pie, blackberry pie, cherry pie, blueberry pie. Mm. It seems like a great thing for people to get on. Cause if they're already, if you have the skill of making savory pie, that'd be a pretty easy thing to jump to. Yeah. It's really curious. I think it's more that like people wouldn't know when to eat it. Like when Uh, in the day. Oh, okay. Yeah. All day, every day. Anybody in England listening, just have it for breakfast. We have it for (laughs) breakfast. Definitely. (laughs) So I couldn't agree more about mincemeat. I adore it. And I have to tell you that I also make my own candied peel because my family has a lot of citrus trees and your recipe is my go-to every year. I've tried many, many others and yours is my favorite. So I've, I've always wanted to thank you for that. I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> That's so nice. <laughs> thank you. It's I'll have to try it. I've never made perfect. it. I've eaten it recently for the first time, but I've never made it. So now I know which recipe to try. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. It, um, it, it takes a couple of times to get really good at it. I think, don't you think Jeremiah? Yeah. Like you have to like to get it just right, but then it's like so great. Oh, just, that's just one of the best, yeah. the best Christmas <laughs> to have. Getting the blanching down. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 The yeah. blanching. And then I like, yeah, yours just come out and they last a long time and there's not yeah. too much pith. That was the thing that I love the most is you have a great way of dealing with the pith. Amazing. Yay. Is it, I know it is a Christmas time thing. Is it eaten year round or is it like really relegated to holidays? The mincemeat or yeah, the, the mincemeat. Yeah, just Christmas. Like you won't see it at all. It's okay. also it's very seasonal, which is really nice because then you're kind of ready for it, and then you yeah. need, you need a break. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like oh god. My my um, my in laws are British, and my father in law has to have twelve of them between you know Christmas and New Year's, and I'm right there with them. Let's do it. Let's eat them. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Um, okay. Another question from Instagram. It's from fine spun cakes and it's cakes with two S's on the end. They would like to know where you find inspiration for new recipes. Like everywhere. I feel like anything I do, I'm always thinking about, um, I'm always thinking about coming up with new recipes. And so obviously when you go out to other bakeries or to restaurants and have desserts, you know, you kind of think if something is really delicious and leaves an impression, I think about how I might incorporate that into something I'm making. Um, But also I'm really inspired by visual things too. So, um, which I'm sure you are too. Like I, I think um, sometimes like I was just recently on a trip in Puglia and I was really inspired by the architecture in the South of Italy, like, for recipes, weirdly, like it made me want to make cakes because there are these like incredible pink stucco buildings on the seaside. And then 
these sort of other buildings that were in this one town. It's, it's called Estunian. It's this white stone. The whole city is white stone. It's the most amazing thing. It's like a big meringue. Like, it's amazing. So I think, like, I pull inspiration from, from everything all the time, um, even from <clears throat> the most unexpected places. Um, I think it's good to keep your mind open like that because then you can, otherwise you just kind of end up repeating what everybody else is doing. So if you can kind of think about it outside the box like that, you, you, you'll be surprised at what you might come up with. <laughs> no, that's great advice. It's a beautiful answer. Yeah. Love it. All right. At the baking sensei sensei wants to know, will you release another cookbook in the future? Oh my God. I mean, is that, is that my, is that my agent in disguise? <laughs> <laughs> I'm very late on, um, <clears throat> turning in some, some work that has been, yeah. Uh, been, they've been waiting for a couple years now. I've been so busy. I find it very difficult to just churn out books, although I need to, I need to get over that because I think it's really nice to do a lot of recipes. And I have a few cooks that I really admire that are very prolific and I don't feel like it's too much. I think it's great, but I have, um, I just find, I've just found it difficult in the last couple of years to like do that and run the business and do all the other stuff. Um, with just my small team. Cause I, I'm also like, I write every recipe myself and because I kind of feel like that's what I do. So it's hard for me to farm that out. Um, but yes, I definitely, I promise in the next 18 months, there'll be another book. <laughs> wow. Exciting. <laughs> that's, that's exciting. Yeah. We'll be first in line. We're ready. Aww. Yeah. Thanks. Um, okay, so another question from Fine Spun Cakes. What's the biggest thing you've learned while running a bakery? That's a big question. <laughs> that it will that it will be fine. Hmm. It'll be fine. Like there are so many things that can go wrong, and if they can, they will. And there are so many um, disappointments that you can have through like thinking you've hired the perfect person, and then they end up to be really impossible or unreliable or, um, you know, and of course I'm saying the negative things because it's like when you are running a business, it's so easy to, to take things personally or get emotional about things or to get stressed about stuff, but it always works out. And it's really best to just kind of, um, have faith and chill because <laughs> so much like you are, you also, it's like really amazing to run your own business. So you are in this incredible position of having, you know, your dream job, but you have to keep, um, you have to keep reminding yourself that it is that because sometimes it can feel like really daunting. Um, and like, you know, like you've come so far from the thing that you've got that got you into it in the first place, which is actually baking. Um, so I think, I think just having patience and knowing that it'll be fine is the best advice because it always is. And then you just have to smile and have fun with it <laughs> because it really is fun. Actually. <laughs> it's a new mantra for everybody. Yeah. It'll, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> it'll be fine. Yeah. It'll be fine. And also because I think most bakers are like perfectionists. So, you know, even if it like on varying degrees, but we all have our, we're, we're, you have to be kind of like maniacal to like want to do this professionally and like all the detail and all the steps and all the things. And, um, 
it's like, you know, it's really good to, to remind yourself just that it's just fine. Of your recipes, what would you like people to bake the most? Of my recipes? Mm-hmm. What do I like them to bake the most? Yeah. What was one of your recipes you would love everyone to try? Um, interesting. What do I like people to make the most? Well, I, 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 <laughs> I'm always really happy when people make my, in my cookbook, I have a, uh, like a tres leches coconut pudding kind of thing. And it very rarely seems to be one that people, you know, people never like photograph that on Instagram. And I mean, maybe it just looks <laughs> not very photographable, <laughs> but, but it's, it's like, to me, it's like so delicious. And I think people tend to do more of the cake stuff or cookie stuff um, or breakfast stuff, but to make um, like a, not in England, we, we would call it pudding. That to go back to the other question, that's another thing I wish more Americans would make this sort of, more puddingy, like trifle things that are like soaked in like alcohol. Like, like we're afraid of alcohol in America. We're afraid of um, like too much custard. I feel like, um, and all of those things together with sponge can be like so amazing. So yeah. So when people make that coconut thing, I get really excited because it doesn't happen that often. <laughs> <laughs> Let's I mean, make it Jeremiah. We yeah. need to make yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. It's so good. It's funny. It's like the things that you're saying, some people are afraid of or avoid. I'm like, I think you just defined what Jeremiah excels at as you're saying, I'm like, this is what he does. Like, yeah. That's uh, really so funny. cool. Oh my God. I want to, I want to, I don't know if we get to do this on the, if I get to ask you guys questions, but there's two things that you guys both do that I want to, oh, I'll ask you at the end. All right. ask you about. Oh, this is fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll make okay. sure we do that. Um, okay. So this is kind of our classic flower hour question that we try to ask everyone. I think we've asked everyone, right, Jeremiah? Yeah. Have we? Yeah. Okay. Who would you bake for if you could bake for anyone? Um, and what would you make them? And dead or alive, anyone? Okay. Ever? I think... Um, <laughs> I mean... I got to bake for the queen this year <laughs> and Oprah. And like, I feel like I kind of, I don't know anymore. Like I'm so stoked that I got to bake for those two powerhouse, amazing women on the same day. Like it just is beyond me. And then also of course, the lovely, lovely, lovely Megan. And I mean, there were so many amazing people at that wedding that I, I don't even know how to answer that question right now. I feel like I've done, I've done it. I've done it. Now I just want to bake for like my friends. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's amazing because we've had, I think more than one guest say that they would like to bake for Oprah. So yeah. So I think it's pretty awesome that it's like, (laughs) yeah, done. Done. (laughs) Yeah. Next. I'm stoked about that. (laughs) It's amazing. So do I get to ask you guys a question now? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> okay. Well, I think, I mean, first of all, I, I just, I love that you guys do this. I think it's so cool that you met on the show, right? Yes. Did you yep. on the show? You met on the show, yeah. And then you do this together. Because I also have a podcast and I, I think it's, um, it's really admirable that you guys keep at it because it's hard work to like fit podcasting into your life, your busy lives. Um, but I noticed, Jeremiah, that you make... Uh, you have Portuguese heritage and right. you make those Portuguese uh, tarts, which I'm obsessed with. <laughs> so I want to ask you <laughs> about the pastry and about 
how, because I've, I've done some research on it and I understand that it's like a roll that is then cut and then rolled again. Is that correct? What's like the trick to, how, how does it get so flaky and it's like the most amazing, delicious thing? Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you're a fan of them. Me too. And they're, they are tricky to make at home. Oh my gosh. Mm, but yeah. so the, um, the way they do it is they do a normal puff pastry, but the Portuguese way is to actually use room temperature fat. And so instead of having a butter block, you are spreading on room temperature fat and then doing the folds, which is actually Uh, so easy. Like I love it. And then I chill it between each roll so that that layer of butters, you know, um, solidifies. Okay. Okay, So you do, you make puff pastry in that form, but you could do it also with a butter block. Fine. But then your last, after you've done your, your, your folds, you roll it out and you roll it into, yes, this roll, this spiral or this, you know, like a jelly roll, like you're talking about. Yeah. And then you cut those into um, discs and then you, mm-hmm. you, you put that flat in your tin and then you use your thumbs to work it up the sides of the tin. So that's the trick. And then, and then do you bake the custard in that from raw or do you pre-bake yeah. that? Yeah, no pre-baking. Um, and so I've learned, and in Portugal they're using, depending on where you're going, they're using a, a mix of butter and um, margarine. Uh-huh. Or so, so a fat like that, which has different, you know, handling properties properties but so yeah. if you're doing all butter like I, I i find the best results if i actually freeze them freeze the, yeah. the pastry cases before i pour so in that the it's really hard yeah yeah because it my i sometimes i have shrinkage problems it could be my mm-hmm. oven too but also they're breaking at like seven eight nine hundred degrees which is crazy wow. so that's oh a God. whole other really yeah they're making you get really, the blister top as well yeah and then i think the pastry sets so quickly it doesn't have time to do anything other but anything that's set Amazing. Um, they are really one of the best things in the world. Yeah. So for me, I figured <laughs> if you, they are, I start mine at 350. And then yeah. as soon as I put them in the oven, I turn the oven up to as high as it'll go. And okay. so by the time, like that takes maybe 10, you know, for it to get to actually 500, my pastry's cooked and I'm starting to get the black spots and I haven't overcooked the pastry. The, the Amazing. So that's my little oh my trick God, to do it at home. Let me know. Let me know if it works. Thank you. I will. I will. Okay. And Amanda. Yes. I am obsessed with your icings. I think they're so beautiful. And the texture of your icing is amazing. And then the way that you do it, like a painting, is is just really inspiring. Thank and I you. wondered, um, well, I mean, I think I even asked you on Instagram one time, I DM'd you about like what icing it was. And you're like, oh, it's just my regular buttercream. But I'm like, Come on, like there's. <laughs> I don't know how you get that texture. It's so beautiful. So any any secret tips on that? I want, and then also before um, you answer that, you I read recently. It was like one Instagram post or something that you said that you were not. You were trying to move away from using color coloring. But is that just just to like just because, or is there a reason about behind that? Because I think. You shouldn't because your eyes are so gorgeous <laughs> with, with all the color in them. I love it. They look amazing. Your question just summed up my inner struggle because I'm like, I really need to move away from them, but I shouldn't because I really love color like so yeah. much. But don't. It's amazing. Uh, it's so they're paintings. Thank you. Um, yeah, sometimes I feel like uh, it's just a strange thing to put in food. Like when I really, really. Yeah think about it, just the thought of putting dye in there. And to be really gross, um, my kids ate Fruit Loops one time um, when they were little. And I mean, they're still pretty little, but 
Yeah. It's just, yeah. Later on you see like this food dye and it just, I think it changes your, your perspective on food dye when you see things like that as disgusting as it is. Um, so I guess that's like using a lot of it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Which I don't a lot of it. Yeah. And even on the cakes I do that are heavily painted, like it's, it's, you know, naturally colored underneath, it's always just a surface coat. So it's really not that much if you, you know, averaged it out, but yeah. And so sometimes I'm like, I should just actually, if I have the urge to paint, why, why can't I just be normal and paint, like just paint and then also make food, but I love the combination. So I'm going to explore that a lot, you know, whether it's using flavors or figuring out how to get color without flavor. Cause that's the other thing. I love the color of matcha, but I don't want to eat matcha everything all the time, Totally, totally. <laughs> but I love that green. So it's like, yeah. how do you figure that out? So it's, it's a work in, in progress. I'm but. sure that that is something that food scientists will develop actually, because I'm sure there's a way to strip out the flavor. Um, from a lot of things because like powders have become so good they're so good at making great powders now so maybe they can maybe they can take it a step further and kind of take away some of the flavor although um i find that a lot of the even the like the liquid food colorings tend to have a funny flavor sometimes the natural ones yes yeah yeah so but i'm I'm with you i think that's definitely something that will come because yeah i do think more people care about it you know, but we also really like colorful food. So yeah, it's kind of a tricky spot. It's fun to to eat colorful food and to look at it. Mm. And then the buttercream, the texture. So that's with American buttercream. I'm pretty sure that's the one you're talking about, but one thing I do, and, and I think you do this from looking at your recipes is mix it for a really long time. Yeah. I know like the old Wilton method was always like, you know, you don't want to mix it too much. You're going to put way too many bubbles in there. But I think mixing at a really low speed kind of hydrates the powdered sugar more than if you just exactly. it gives it quickly a use it. Yeah. For sure. So I do that a lot. There's definitely, and then part of that also came from being a busy mom that's trying to bake. And sometimes things ran a little longer than I meant to. And I'm like, Oh, that, that kind of really works. So yeah. <laughs> that's one and thing. Probably lightens it too. It it, makes it. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Which I think definitely changes the texture almost like yeah. a, it's not so dense. Like a lot of people complain about American buttercream being just so thick and gritty and heavy. And it's, it's not that if you let it go longer. And then I think being really brave with the liquid, it's really scary that you'll put too much and then it, you know, will be soupy and you'll have to correct with more sugar, which is what no one wants to do. So, um, because then that also doesn't always work because you don't have enough fat to hold up to the sugar and the liquid. So it's it's, like yeah. Then you're adding more sugar and adding more fat and, and just going down. And then you have a giant batch of buttercream that's just okay, not great. So <laughs> yeah, I think being really brave with the liquid. And I always use heavy whipping cream, like the highest fat milk available. Like I don't use skim or whole because... When it's an indulgence, so why not just get crazy? You're already putting a ton of butter, so it's not the time to... Wait, you put cream. heavy whipping cream in your buttercream? Yes. So that's the only liquid. Like, in, I would not put milk or anything like that. If I'm going to hydrate it, mm. I would use heavy that's whipping tip. cream. Yeah. And even if I'm going to infuse like with a something that's liquid, like a fruit, most of the time I use freeze-dried fruit, but if I'm going to do more of like a jam or a puree or yeah. something that's been cooked down, I'll try to even with that, infuse that with the cream because I just think that creaminess helps. 
Yeah. And then um, I do think, because I add vinegar in there as well, and the vinegar helps balance the sweetness, but also it hydrates yeah. a little bit differently. Um, just yeah, It's just a tiny bit, but I think, I think it reacts. It's going to do something to it. Yeah, yeah it reacts a bit. Lemon juice, but it's different. It's a different acidity to, to vinegar. Yeah, I use white vinegar most of the time unless... Sometimes I play with like a balsamic, which is because it has that nice fruitiness if it's something that I want to kick up the fruit. But most of the time, if I'm not trying to really change the, fr- the flavor, it's just the white vinegar. So Yeah. Now you know all my secrets, but they're not secrets. Like it's, yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Nothing you don't know. And are you guys doing books? I'm in the, I'm looking for an agent right now. I'm querying agents and um, it's, yeah, it's, I don't, I'm like, no one writes me back. So (laughs) (laughs) I've only reached out to, I've just started that process. So it's, it's exciting. So exciting. You're getting there. It's like, yeah, do it, do it, do it. Thank you. Thank you. It's yeah. It's so good even just for yourself to like get all the, all your information down. Yeah. Yeah. That, writing that proposal, like when I finally sent that, oh my gosh, what a, it took me almost a year. Like just, it was a lot, maybe eight months, but whatever. It was to, like, oh my God, that's done. It was such a good feeling. And now to be looking yeah. forward the to proposal, this. Next, I feel like yep. once you write the proposal, the book is easy. Yeah. Oh, I think it totally will be. It's just recipes and the creativeness and all the fun part the yeah the proposal was a lot (laughs) (laughs) we'll have it in our hands soon i'm sure jeremiah soon ish yeah no pressure (laughs) and me yeah slowly but surely i i'll get my head around it our family has been through so many changes lately like and you know everyone knows moving to california my kids are still little and trying to get them settled and figure all that out. And, but yeah, I definitely will have a cookbook sooner than later, but I just have to get my head around it. I think that's my yeah, biggest. It's no joke having thing. a family and working at the same time is really tough. It's such a creative thing. I, and like so big, like I feel like I have enough creative energy sometimes to do a recipe, but the idea of like that big block of a project freaks me out a bit, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get my head there. <laughs> yeah. Eventually. You better. I know. <laughs> Eventually. I hear you. Well, thank you so much for spending this time with us. It's been an absolute joy. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I, I think both of you are so cool. So I'm really pleased that you um, like me too. <laughs> now we're blushing <laughs> oh yeah it's it, it, you have no idea how much it means yes. to me to have you on here truly when we started flower hour there's you know a handful of people that i'm oh, like wow. oh if i could be so lucky to use this to connect with them i'm yeah. totally gonna do it and you're right there at the top of the list i'm yeah. so happy it's it's my absolute pleasure anytime yay awesome <laughs> we'll, we'll considering we did up. this three times yeah <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, listening back now, since we recorded in the summer, it's just amazing how generous she was with us. I mean, she's a big deal. And I really felt like we got to get to know her. And um, I just loved everything she, she shared with us. Yeah, I totally agree with you about she is such a big deal, but still comes across as such a human and a very honest person. Uh, my favorite part of the episode was when she we asked her about some advice for, I believe it was for bakery owners, but 
something that just applies to everything. Her answer was that it will be fine. I liked that so much because in this world of hustle and go hard and make a plan and it almost feels like the way to be successful is to be full-blown frenzied. It was such a peaceful approach of that it will be fine. And I'm sure she has frenzied moments and times where it gets really intense, but to approach things with that confidence that it will be fine, I think is a really nice thing for someone like me to hear. And hopefully our listeners too, just when you're trying to carve your own path and figure out which way you should go, it's a really nice thing to kind of have in the back of your mind. So I'll value that. Yeah, no matter what you do, there's going to be disappointments. You're going to take things personally. Um, If things can go wrong, they will go wrong, like she said. But the most important thing is that you have fun. Yeah. It will be fine. Trust the process. Learn and grow. That's what we're doing. Totally. (laughs) Figure it out as we go and go, oh, I I hope this is going to work out this way or that way. But knowing that it'll be fine is a really great feeling. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the recipes we've made of hers since the episode. I've made that coconut cream cake. It looked amazing. amazing. The pictures you put on Instagram, I was like, honestly, I'll I'll be honest. I was a little bit jealous since I'm unable to bake still. We're still in the Airbnb. I was like, oh, that Jeremiah, he's just flaunting that trifle. (laughs) The funny thing is I think she is right. It is a difficult cake to shoot. (laughs) And listen, you know, I'm definitely trying to improve my photography game. It's, It's harder than it seems. And that cake was like super difficult to figure out how can I shoot this in an interesting way because it's not very high. You know, it's not a big, beautiful layer cake. Um and it doesn't have a lot of colors going on. It's kind of a different shades of white and brown, but it's beautiful. So how do you capture that in a photo was the challenge. And I had some fun with it, but I have some tips though, if you do make it, things that I would do um, next time, because there were certain elements of it, of it that I love so much, I wanted more. So part of it is a coconut pudding and it's spiked with rum. And I would double that recipe. I would do twice as much because it was so yummy. And that goes on top of the chiffon cake. And then this is one of those cakes that literally is better days and days after. You put the coconut on top of some whipped cream and that flavor is going to, you know, infuse the whipped cream. So, I mean, make it a few days in advance. Like she says, it's served best straight from the fridge, like cold. It's one of those really refreshing cakes. Um it's delicious. And the whipped cream is unsweetened, which is lovely. But if you are a person who likes things on the sweeter side, I would definitely throw in some some powdered sugar. My grandma was like sprinkling <laughs> on her <laughs> slice. I'm like, you are too funny, grandma. She's got that sweet tooth <laughs> like me. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> oh, I love those tips. And I thought the way you shot it was really cool. I liked my, the one that stood out to me was the side, like where you could kind of see the strata of it. Like it looked like a you know, like layered rocks. I'm always thinking about rocks and geology. Like it looked very cool to see all the different layers and textures. I liked that picture just for what it's worth. Well, I have to give a shout out then to my cleaner, Cheryl. She was (laughs) cleaning the house while I was shooting. And she was like, you need to get right in there. Like pretend like it's a little (laughs) world where like, you know, it's like from an aunt's point of view and she's getting her (laughs) phone in there. She's like, you need to do it like this. And I'm like, I love you, Cheryl. She's the best. So... I make, made sure to save her a piece. Shout out to Cheryl. Yeah, I loved that. I thought it looked great. And and like she said, like I felt like I was right up in there. I felt like I could 
get the best idea that I possibly could without actually taking a bite of what it would be like to take a bite. <laughs> She's amazing. If you're in Sacramento, you need like the best cleaner ever. Call me. <laughs> Cheryl's amazing. It's too funny. So you made her brownies. Tell me all about those gorgeous brownies. I have made those brownies probably, I, I don't even know how many times because those are one of my go-to brownie recipes. Like I have different things that I want in brownies at different times. And if I'm wanting a slightly, it's not over the top interesting. Like there are no floral flavors or anything too outrageous in there. They're definitely tame enough that a child would be very happy with these as their brownie. But if I want something a little bit more interesting than your average brownie, that's kind of my go-to because of the rye flour. It adds a nice little texture and flavor in there that, like I said, it's completely appropriate for kids, but just a little more interesting for the adult palate. And one tip I would give with those, and I believe it's in the cookbook as well, is just being really careful not to overbake. I feel like that's a good general rule with brownies is you have to be a little bit brave, pull them out when you think they just might be ever so slightly underdone. And if you have that bravery and you can pull them out where you're like, eh, it's maybe on the edge. If you can do that, you will be left with the most perfect fudgy brownies that still hold together. Cause that's the thing. If you pull it out too soon, it's never going to be quite right. Or if you leave them in too long, they'll be a little dry, but I love those brownies. I've also made in there the morning buns, the cardamom morning buns. So easy. The recipe is really approachable. There are a lot of tips about how to wrap them so that they don't come unraveled. They're baked in a muffin tin. It's a similar dough to like a American style biscuit. You don't have to worry about um, working with yeast. So if you ever there's wake no up, there's no yeast. So if you're waking up and you're like, I kind of want to scratch the cinnamon roll itch, but you don't really want to work with the long rise times. It's a great recipe for that. And then the toffee, or maybe they're called butterscotch blondies. Those are also amazing. I think I talked about those earlier, but you making those. You, they're, they're a must. So if you have this cookbook, those are ones that I would say send your nose in that direction. Okay, I need your help. And I'm going to confess to everyone that I did attempt her brownies. And I haven't made brownies in years, which is embarrassing because I do love them. It's not embarrassing. You're too fancy for brownies. Well, here's the problem. <laughs> I totally overbaked them. And I really seriously doubted my baking skills <laughs> at that point. How could I overbake brownies? So is there any visual clues for us who are, um, <laughs> who are struggling with brownies? Well, I think they should be set. So you're pulling it out too early, which you didn't do, but you're pulling it out too early if they're just not set. If it's looking liquid, it's not going to magically turn into a brownie on your counter after you pull it out. But I would say just set, almost like a, um, a custard or creme brulee, how like you need it to have a wobble, but then you don't necessarily want it to be fully firm. If it's fully firm as it sits on the counter, it will end up being a little bit dried out. And I don't know. I'm sure she gives some instructions. I wish I had the book right in front of me of what she says. But I feel like the texture on the top kind of tells you too. Okay. Um, It should look like they're all done, but slightly inconsistent. If that makes sense, the edge should look a little more dry. And then the inside Um. be a little bit shiny, 
not wet, but still a little bit shiny. That seems to work for me as well. Um, brownies are tricky though. It's funny because there's all these things that are really simple bakes that every grandma, every mom, every bake sale has these things, but to nail them like a really amazing chocolate chip cookie or really amazing brownie, it's crazy how intense you could be and come up with so many variations on perfect technique. But those are my tips and yeah, just be brave, pull them out before you think they're kind of done. And I'm not above sticking them back in. It's not the best way, but if you pull them out maybe a little early, And then give it, you know, 10 minutes on the counter. I think by then you can kind of see like, yeah, this is never going to set up. Just pop it back in for another five minutes and it yeah. should be just right. Can I tell you a brownie story? Uh, of course. <laughs> How horrible would it be if I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so brownies always bring back a certain period of time for me. And I love this about food. I think both of you, both of us love that. And that's why we do this. I was completing my master's degree at Juilliard in New York City, and my best friend, Emmy Ferguson, who's an incredible flute player, I would hang it, we would hang out all the time. And she was born, well, she was born in Japan, but grew up mostly in England, and then also in the States. And so she had all these sort of Englishy recipes that she would bring out once in a while. And her brownies were always different than what I grew up with. I was, you know, I grew up with generally out of box brownies, super fudgy, super chocolatey. Well, her brownies were different. They definitely had chocolate, but there was more of a caramel note to them. They were just subtle in this most evocative way. And so she finally taught me how to make them because we would spend a lot of afternoon evenings together hanging out. And it's by this very classic English um, cookbook writer, Delia Smith. Have you heard of her? I have heard of her. Yes. Okay. So it's cute. It's, I looked at the book and it's, it's her recipe for American style brownies. I love that. I love that. And what she uses is a hundred percent chocolate. Like, so it's like full on, but not very much, not very much at all. So it's like the chocolate just kind of perfumes the brownie batter versus being like, I mean, they're obviously chocolate tasting, but it's just a different chocolate experience. And Emmy was always an expert at getting them just done correctly. And I remember her taking like a butter knife and just sticking it in the center. And you know, when you watch someone who's made something over and over and they have just these ways of knowing when something's absolutely done. And I love watching those gestures um, by someone who's an expert at whatever bake they're doing. And so the, that flavor is so special and I'll, it'll always be the brownie flavor that I think about in a time of life that was really fun and exciting being in New York City and and following your dreams and all that good stuff. What a great memory to have connected. And I totally agree. Somebody who's made something a lot has that uh, almost flow like a dance or something. And it's very cool to see. And I'm sure a nice memory. They sound like brownies that taste almost like a blend of blondies and brownies, like a toffee and a brownie kind of combined. They sound great. I'm going to hunt out this recipe. When the chocolate isn't like, you know, fully used, Sometimes you get more of these other hints of, you know, whatever else is going on in the chocolate. And she'd always use really, her, she grew up, her mom is an amazing, amazing culinary person, baker, cooker. Um, she'd always use really nice, nice 100% chocolate. It was always really good. That makes a big difference, especially, you know, when it's the star of the show. You can't skimp. No, <laughs> no skimping. absolutely not. 
So, are you going to make mince pies this year for Christmas? <laughs> uh, probably. I mean, I'm not going to say 100% because I'm willy-nilly like that. I just don't want to be nailed down. But I was sent mince pie filling. I think I may have talked about it on here. It may have been after our season was over. I but think from, it was after. It was from James, who was on Great British Bake Off. Cluck, he cluck, sent cook. me. Yeah, Cluck Muck Cook. Uh, always so supportive of Flower Hour. And I feel like supportive of bakers in general. He embodies that, you know, bakers unite, bakers supporting bakers kind of attitude and, and presence on the internet. Anyway, he sent me some of his filling for mince pies, and I, I made a mince pie kind of skillet galette, and it was awesome. So I definitely want to have another run, and I'd like to make the filling myself for fun. So maybe I should try Claire's recipe. Do it. Of course, we want to do one more big, big thank you to Claire Petak. Thank you so much for giving us your time, your honesty, and very generous answers. We appreciate you so very much. And I know our listeners have enjoyed our chat tons. And thank you too to all our listener questions. This is so much fun when we post on Instagram or social media, wanting to know what you guys want to ask whoever we're interviewing. So keep sending them both sending, keep sending us your questions. Um, this week, thank you to beyond the butter. K Z O O G R R. Um, also find spun cakes and the bank baking sensei. We appreciate your questions. Thank you. We'll see you all next week. And listen, if you haven't subscribed, what are you waiting for? And rated us subscribe and rate. We love you. <laughs> <laughs>